Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. And this year we've been reading through Luke, but this morning I've asked uh, Ryan to read from Matthew's Gospel. So if you'll stand for the reading of the Gospel this morning, Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Father, this morning, open our eyes to see what others cannot. (coughs) Open our hearts to receive him and show us, Lord, how to walk another way. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm convinced that the wise men saw something that others never see. Uh, I'm convinced that people that can see what others cannot see are wise people. That if you want to walk as wise people in this world, you have to be able to see beyond what the rest of the world is seeing. To be illuminated by, to catch a vision of, to know in your heart something that just other people are just on autopilot. In fact, I think if you read through any of the faiths, and specifically into the Christian faith, people are drawn by revelation of the Spirit. People are drawn by prophetic insight. They're drawn by something that others miss. And these wise men certainly are drawn to the birth of the Christ, to that location, to Bethlehem, because they could see something that other people had ignored. In fact, they may have been like a lot of Christians today who don't believe in astrology, right? We don't believe in it, so we ain't looking at the stars. Uh, We may want to be careful what we're against, because God might use that which we're against to do something that, am I making any sense? So before you write off something as being weird, you might want to understand that God likes using weird things. He he likes using virgins that nobody else believes in. He likes using shepherds. He, He likes working through those things that religion many times have kicked to the side. He likes using the marginal, the outcast, the off-putting. He, he actually likes using things that we say God could never do that. 
And in this particular story, God works through a star. Uh, and, and he works through Arabs. That, that's going to be the other thing that would be offensive to most of us in the 21st century, is that God works through Arabs, what, what you would call Muslims. Uh, he, he works through uh, Arabians. He, he works through people that we have declared our enemies. He works through terrorists. He, he works through that which we are opposed to. And that's exactly who these people are. They're Arabs from the East. They're, they're of the Islamic faith today, if we were to put it into perspective. And, and it's interesting that they understood that there was one who was coming that was of the seed of Abraham, the seed of David, the son of a virgin. They understood that there had been 14 different generations from Abraham to David, from David into captivity, and then from captivity into the birth of Christ. There have been three series of 14 generations, and the church is about to be the 14th generation of the third expression of who God is. These people had followed a long time. They understood what it was to do to wait. We, we don't, our kids don't understand what it means to wait from Thanksgiving to Christmas to open the gift. They can't wait two minutes while cousin Oh, you didn't get it. You don't have as many grandkids as I do. I mean, you give this one a gift and they're already irritated because that one, they can't wait. Uh, these folks had waited three series of 14 generations and were not even actually viewed as being people who could receive the Christ. They weren't even in the general location. They weren't of the right denomination. And they certainly didn't belong to the right political party. And yet they saw the star. I'm just saying to you, sometimes our certitude keeps us from seeing the obvious. Anytime religious people have been certain of something, there'll be a star that'll show up and somebody you don't like will see that which you should have been able to see, but because you're so certain that God doesn't use that, you'll miss something that's miraculous. And we're living in times when God's about to use things that are going to twist our heads. He's about to work through things that we, I really do believe that next year is going to be a year of breakthrough, but, but before you can break through, you're going to have to break down those limiting belief systems that have hindered you from ever recognizing that God's going to use things in ways that you have never anticipated to accomplish things that you've never expected. And if we're going to break through, we're going to have to break down those limiting belief systems that have kept us from receiving the breakthrough that we've kept most of the time, we expect breakthrough to come through the way we've determined it should come. Rather than realizing that God's going to use a virgin out of Nazareth and Joseph, and he's going to work in, he's just going to use star, he's going to use shepherd, he's going to use uh, uh, Arabian princes. How many want breakthrough in your life next year? Then you're going to have to challenge some of the belief systems that you just know are certain. You're just going to have to face some of those assumptions that you've made, and you know you're right. Uh-huh. Oh, well, that's next year's sermons. Matthew's genealogy talks and includes four women in his genealogy, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. It's interesting that in Matthew's genealogy, he already tells you he's for women. He'd been for women all along. It's just the religious system had decided they were going to ignore that reality. But in Matthew's genealogy, he denotes that there's four different times in here that if it hadn't been for a woman, this whole thing had gone kaput. Thank God for women. See, God's plan is very seldom accomplished through the pious. Pious people very seldom make room for the mysterious. Pious people have got it all together, right? Right? 
But God always works through the passionate and generally the disreputable. Works through the people that we just, yeah, quite frankly, if you go through this genealogy, they were a bunch of murderers, cheaters, cowards, adulterers, and liars. Look at your neighbor, neighbor and say, thank God for me. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you probably fit within one of those groups, right? The, the reality of it is, is that when these Arabs come from the east, what they reveal is that he belongs to us, and he came to help us, and uh, that he came to give us hope. My, one of my favorite words is the word Umbutu. It's a, an African word. It means I am because we are. The Arabs show us that I exist because we are. Any individualization of the gospel of Jesus Christ will diminish it to your own pet religion. If you're going to be a Christian, you have to understand it belongs to us, and that us is far bigger than the denomination that you aspire or the doctrine that you've adopted. We are because we are. In the Lakota language, in the tribes from which my family came, there's no pronouns for I or me. There's only us and we. In other words, in the true native cultures of the world, whether it's Africa or whether it's in America, identity is never found by individuality. Identity is only found through the relationships of us and we. These Arabs come and they're called wise men because they understood that Jesus came for all people, all nations, all tribes, all tongues. And in fact, they're the first ones to come bearing gifts. They're the first ones come to give anything. Because you see, most of us want to just ascribe to our little group and keep it, never mind. But when we see these Persian kings come, it's a reminder that God has refused to abandon us. He's refused to allow the sons of Abraham that were not born of Sarah to be left outside. You see, these kings that come from the east are the sons of Abraham by his second wife, Katara. She had several sons, actually. I mean, we always want to just talk about Abraham, but he goes ahead and fathers several other sons by another wife. These are the stepchildren, if you will, of, uh, of, a, uh, of uh, Isaac. But just because they're step doesn't mean they're out. Just because they don't share the same mother doesn't mean they don't share the same father. And these children had been waiting a very, very long time and so when these children come, they understood the promises of Abraham that they were not just to this people, but blessed will be all people. In other words, I will bless you and your children so that the whole world could be blessed. We have this idea that if God blesses me, you must have missed out. The truth of the matter is, is if God came for me, he came for you. And that if he blesses me, he blesses you. And if I try to hold that into my own individual tribe, then quite frankly, I'm the one blocking the blessings of God moving into the other people. See, Matthew's gospel reminds us that Christ came for all of us. And the end of that, verse 12 there, it says they went home another way. If you ever meet God, you'll go home another way. If you ever encounter God, you will not keep thinking the way you were thinking. And can I tell you something? As I move into my 64th year, it's interesting to me, I, I never have got my thinking right yet. Every year he needles me on something I was sure of last year. Every year he comes into my life and starts needling me on some assumption that I have had, only to point out that this assumption that I have had is not true. 
How many believe you're completely free? Mm-hmm. You want to know why? It's because we're still holding on to lies. See, if you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. The only thing that keeps us from breaking through is there's something we're holding on to that is not quite true. And if you, if you live to be 95 or 100, I'm going to tell you, he's going to keep coming into your life and needling those little areas of your life that you are just certain you've got just right, but they're not. And when these Persian kings show up two years later, it is an offense, quite frankly, to Herod and to the priest of Jerusalem because they seem to have some sort of information that they don't have. I mean, that's like walking into, in, into Southwestern in, in, I mean, if you were raised in the groups I was raised in, if you walked into St. Louis, or in, in, rather into Springfield and in the Assembly of God headquarters and said, I think I have a word from God, they'd shut the door. Or if you would walk, come on, wherever Mecca may be for you, whatever Mecca. You see, these Arabs showed up in Jerusalem and they fully expected Herod and all of Jerusalem to be worshiping the king. They, they showed up with all of their entourage and they fully expected Jerusalem, the city of the king, to be worshiping the king because they thought they were late. Have you, uh, this will help Anne. Uh, you think you're late, but you, you're early because nobody else is awake. These kings show up thinking they're late only to discover that nobody else there is awake. You see, if you see a star, if you recognize the truth that have otherwise been hidden, quite honestly, you're the first one to ring the bell. And these men are called wise because they were the first ones to recognize that Jesus is the king, that he's the Lord, not just of this tribe, but of all tribes, of the whole world. It's easy for us together in our church and declare Jesus is Lord and we're okay as long as he's Lord over us because we kind of know you and me. And, but, but it's the idea that he might be Lord over, you got it. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews in the time of Herod? It's interesting that it doesn't say Pilate, doesn't say the Pharisees, doesn't say Sadducees. It says in the time of Herod because historically everybody, every historian can place Herod's time. These times when these Herods and their sons, Herods ruled the world. Uh, they were supposed to be in control. And in the time of Herod, Matthew writes, these people came. In, in that time, the Herods controlled, uh, if you will, that, that marginal space between the religious systems of Judaism and the ruling Roman Empire. Herods are always those people that negotiate some sort of treaty between the culture and the faith. Herods are always people that try to negotiate between the empires and the faith. And can I tell you, anytime you try to live with one foot in that and one foot in that, your days are numbered. Because God will never allow faith to negotiate between the ruling governments of the time. And in my lifetime, I've watched Herods rise. In the last 60 years, I've watched us look for Herods 
people that could somehow negotiate between the empires of the world and our faith. And can I tell you, in the middle of the time of the Herods, wise men show up. Because you cannot negotiate the birth of the Christ and his government with the governments of this world. There is no negotiation. They're never going to interact. They're never going to coincide. They will never fit together. And so these wise men come in the time when Herod is making deals with Rome, when he's trying to maintain his own sense of order. And this Herod would order the death of children. He would behead John the Baptist, and he would nod at the crucifixion of the Christ. Anything to keep the order between the empire and the faith. But in the middle of the reign of a Herod comes these wise men. And they've come to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, not the one that balances these things, but they've come to see that which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. They've come to worship the one that's come to give life and to give it to us more abundantly. You do understand that Jesus came to give life and life abundantly to all people, whether they're in this or in that or out of this, whether they do this or they don't do that. Jesus came to show us a better way. Jesus came to show us a better way than the one we could determine by our self-government. He came to show us a better way than the one we could by the certitude of our own denominational doctrinal faith. He came to show us a heavenly way. He came to reveal to us that he wanted us to live on earth as he is in heaven. He didn't come just to show us the way to heaven. He came to make heaven known to us. And can I tell you, in the last 250 years, in the annuals of uh, Western faith, is we've made going to heaven the major deal, rather than majoring on what he majored on, which was heaven coming to here. Am I going to heaven? Certainly. But heaven is on the inside of me, and my responsibility is to manifest heaven on earth. That's my responsibility. That's what should be exciting me not just the trumpet blowing and us escaping, but I should be excited about seeing heaven flow through my life and bringing peace on earth and seeing healing made manifest and seeing walls be separated and people coming together. Am I making any sense? I think we've suspended our excitement waiting for another event when the real event we just celebrated. He came that heaven might be here. And the Magi came from the east fully expecting Jerusalem to be celebrating that the king is among us. This morning, we should be celebrating that the king is here right now. And that just because we got tired because we were too busy feeding ourselves. Uh, uh, I repent, Lord. <laughs> There's another way. There's an alternative world for an alternative people to live an alternative lifestyle. It, it, <laughs> this is the new normal. I'm telling everybody's afraid of the new normal. And the truth of the matter is, is maybe he's trying to get us to the normal that he was trying to expose to us when he came here in a manger. There's a different way of being, a different way of living, and it's called the heaven's way. It's called the way of Jesus. It's called living in response to the reality that he has been born to us that he's come to us, and, and that, that we could lead into this other way of being. The Herods are always focused on fear. The Herods are always focused on division. The Herods are always making strangers out of others. They're trying to protect their own world. But the good news is, is that with the coming of wise men, Herods die. 
when wise men begin to go public, Herod's days are numbered. Can I tell you, today, if we catch it, the Christ being born into our lives means that the negotiations with this world are over, that the compromises with this world are over, that we today can go to that spot of birth and recognize that Christ has come to us, that we could live in this fresh and new and living way. It's interesting to me. Christ is born in Bethlehem. There's angels shouting in heaven. There's shepherds leaving their flocks. I'm promising you that law and order had to chase down some of those sheep. I mean, if you abandon a bunch of sheep on a hillside to go sit at a manger over a baby, some of them sheep wandered off. I mean, it would have been an uprising. I mean, there was a real mess that had to be cleaned up. And then they take that baby and they walk into Jerusalem and they hand that child to Simeon. And Simeon holds that child up and said, oh, finally, I have seen my hope. Listen, this wasn't a secret. It wasn't a secret. There had been this huge commotion down there in Bethlehem a couple years ago. Huge commotion. Angels, sheep were going astray. These two kids walked back into Jerusalem and the, and, and the chief intercessor of the temple court on top of the temple mount holds up this baby and says, this is he. And then this 84-year-old intercessor walks up and said, I can die finally. Listen, the only reason they didn't know it was the king because they didn't want to know it was the king. The only reason they didn't know it wasn't Jesus is because they were too busy doing other things. It was made widely known. If you go look that up in your Bible, it says no one is without excuse. Anybody within a radius of, of Jerusalem in that time, they knew Jesus had been born. They knew the rumor it had been born of a Virgin Mary. They knew that the angels had sang. I mean, everybody had got it on their Twitter feed. Everybody. He did not get born in secret. It was not some little hush-hush deal over here. Oh, no. It was on the Twitter feeds. It was on Instagram. I mean, did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. But, but I, I think it's a conspiracy. They dismissed it. They dismissed it because everything seemed to be pretty well balanced out. Herod had everything pretty balanced. We were getting along with Pilate. We were getting along with Caesar. Everything was better. It wasn't bad. So let's don't shake it up by introducing Jesus to this thing. Let's don't shake up the world by saying Jesus has came to turn the world upside down. Because Christ has come to turn your world upside down. Christ hasn't come to bless the way you're living. Christ has come to change the way you're living. Notice how quiet it gets in the American world. Christ doesn't care whether we're American or European. He comes to turn us upside down that we would be fully and wholly Christian. That we would put our allegiances only to the Christ. To Him and Him only do I serve. Am I making any sense? This is Merry Christmas. Wise men come to say, uh, we left our country. Wise men come telling you, we left everything to come to this. We gave it all up. We brought our gifts. We've come to, hmm, widely known, Simeon and Anna. Hey, you got to have heard, right? The shepherds, the angels. It, it, it's not like he's hiding. It's a, but John, John says it pretty clearly. He says he came to his own 
but his own did not receive him. They were a little busy. Where is this king? Herod, where where is he at? Why aren't you? And Herod seemed deeply disturbed. It's deeply disturbing if you got everything in your house just the way you want it and Jesus shows up. Have you ever been deeply disturbed whenever, whenever your children started praying? Have you ever been deeply disturbed when Jesus started doing stuff in your midst that you, you wait a minute, I got it. <clears throat> it's really okay. But all of a sudden Jesus shows up and he could disrupt. Yeah, listen, Jesus could destroy anything. I'm seriously. He'll step, you'll think your life, I promise you this year, God's going to disturb some of you. He is going to disturb you. Everybody hears breakthrough and they go, thank God. You know what happens before you break through? A disturbance, you break down. Before you break through, I I mean, I'm enough of a geek watching uh, Jaeger break the sound barrier. Have you ever seen that thing where that pilot is breaking the sound barrier and he tries a number of times and he's in that plane and he gets to about 585 mile an hour and that plane's going like this. And finally he decides that if this thing comes apart, he's going to break through anyway. Listen, God will disturb you before you break through. It's disturbing when wise men from another country show up and say, hey, there's another king. Herod, you ain't it. It's disturbing when God shows up in your spirit and says, the king has arrived and you're not in control of your life. If you want a breakthrough, it means you've got to get off the throne. Take it any way you want. (laughs) When outside, never mind. How did they get so wise? How, how, how did they know he was the king? How, how did they know he should be worshipped? These step brothers and sisters, these descendants of Katera, they, they came and, and they had the audacity to believe that our king is their king. They, they had the audacity to come and start trying to out-worship us. <laughs> that, that might. To have more passion than we've had. They've come to disrupt. You see, wise people are worshiping people. Wise people don't care anything about your tradition. Wise people come just to worship. And you ask them why they're here, and they say, a star. A star. Why are we here? A a star. What's led you? A star. Again, you do understand we're, we're good Jewish people. A star. In Revelation, Jesus, see, everybody thinks the book of Revelation was written for the end time. Yeah, that time, your time, now time, this time, every time. Jesus has sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. You see, wise men show up in their generation to the calling of the end. Listen, most people are looking for the end of the end, the end, the end, the very end. You do understand that when the star was born, the end had come. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. So the minute he is born, the end has come. It'll really mess with your theology, particularly if you're so rapture inclined that you think there's going to be this and you never mind. Every time Jesus shows up, it's the end of you. Every time Jesus shows up into your world, it's the death of you and the beginning of him. 
Every time Jesus shows up, it'll be the end of your thought and the beginning of his thought. He, the, the star, we saw a star, something, you know, you know, a star could be a fresh thought. You know, a burning bush generally is a thought that you would never have thought, but God gave you a thought that was outside of your thought. A, a star is a revelation, a thought, a thought that you wouldn't have had. And they came to follow the star. Where is the king? Where are the, the, the star? His star is here, but you're not worshiping him. Wise men follow stars. Wise men worship. Where? I, haven't you seen him? Do you know him? We came to worship him. Here we are. See, wise people are always willing to follow those spiritual intuitions. Those ideas that there's more here than meets the eye. The concept that Christ is present even in the midst of a hidden world. Herod helps them. I bet he helped them. Herod helps them. He goes, well, you go find him. I just love it when people tell me, well, you find him. That's like Moses, you go up the mountain. <laughs> Wise men, you go find him. And then, then you come back and tell us. Can I tell you, no one can do your seeking for you. If you're waiting for me to seek out God for you, good luck with that. Uh, you go find him. You seek after him. The Bible says that he blesses those that diligently seek him. You, you cannot add your seeking on somebody else. You have to do your own seeking. Herod, you, you go find him, and then you come back and you tell me where he's at, and, and then I'll go worship him. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring word back to me that I may come and... He wasn't about to, right? He, he was trying to figure out what... And then the Bible says that they saw his star again. Somehow, between having left the east and getting to Jerusalem... God turned the star off for just a moment. Just turn it off for just a moment. And, and so the wise men went to the place that they thought would know where the star was, only to discover that the people that should know who the star is don't know who the star is. And, and once this encounter has happened, then he turns the star on. I just have a hard time believing that when he turned the star back on, for the wise men to go seven miles that other people didn't see it. Oh, you're not kidding. I've been in Jerusalem, Bethlehem, seven miles. The star is off. Go to Bethlehem. It says they rejoiced because they star, saw the star again. Listen, other people beside those wise men saw that star. But they ignored it. They just went on with life as usual. See, this is... The day after Christmas. We've sang Bethlehem, Silent Night, we've done it. We've, okay, now back. Can I just tell you, the star's still on. Christ is still shining. He's here. He's alive. And these wise men continued down. It didn't take them very long to get to Bethlehem. They, okay, so maybe no one else in Jerusalem saw the star. You could have followed them. I mean, if you, if you really were, couldn't see, you could have just followed those 14 donkeys or camels or whatever. I mean, we dismiss most passionate people as weird, right? Just keep following that star. 
If it happens to be true, come back and tell us. Yeah, there's a revival. Yeah, if, if that turns out, let me know. Call me. I might watch online. Maybe I'll cancel the ball game. Uh, you know, I, I'm a little busy here. This whole Jesus with us thing, if it really turns out to be that he really is with us, then maybe we'll adjust our agendas. I love America. I love you. I love the world. But there's only one priority of my life. One and one only. Ask my kids. Ask my wife. I, no, I didn't close church this morning. Because <laughs> it's all about that. You see, once you've seen the star and you know who you're following and you've been waiting a couple thousand years, there's only one thing, and that is to prioritize your life around worshiping the king. The only thing left to do now is to prioritize my life around seeking and worshiping. And it's real interesting here. When they had come into the house, they saw the child and they fell down and they worshiped him and they gave him gifts. And then being divinely warned, warned in a dream, they departed and went another way. Hmm. Another way. I, I, I come to you this morning because I always believe that Christmas is a chance to walk in another way. You've had another encounter with the fact that Christ has come to the earth. You've told your children. You're telling traditions. We, we know it in our hearts. We know that these wise men, we know everything you understand, everything I've said to you this morning. But their departing words to these wise men were, don't walk the way you've walked. Change the way you walk. Live another way. Live an alternative way. Live in an abnormal way. But don't go back that way. Don't, don't go back into life as normal. It, we, we've taken four weeks to interrupt the calendar of the world in Advent. We've... We, the whole world does it. Even people that don't believe do it. Listen to me. What we don't want to do in the morning is just go back to whatever our normal was. What we don't want to do tomorrow is just go back. What we want to do tomorrow is go forward. What we want to do today is go forward into another way to live in response to having seen the king. To live in response to having given him our gifts. To live in response to the reality that I can no longer tolerate the ways of this world. I can't go on my way negotiating things between the worlds. No, no, no. I have to live as though heaven are here. I have to live as though Christ is alive in me. I have to live as though he really is flesh and he's in my life. And there's a, I have to live that way. I can't live giving considerations to. I can't. There, there, there's no way to go back that way. There's no way to go around it. Any, I, I, and this morning, I'm begging some of you, live another way. Change your thinking. Change the way you see things. Lift the veils. Can I tell you what COVID really, I'm going to preach this. You know what I think COVID has done? Lift the veil on crazy. I'm serious. I mean, you and I knew that there were a lot of things that were crazy in the world, but it's like COVID reached out and went, yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, what's behind the curtain that's crazy? Oh my God, there it is. It's been there a long time. 
I'm not trying to say that COVID made us crazy. I'm trying to say that COVID just lifted it back and we went, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, well, you're not getting it. Yeah. If you really think about it, last 20 months have been nothing but the revealing of crazy. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 you know what would be insane? Is to step off over into crazy. I'm serious. There's crazy. Don't go that way. <laughs> Don't go back that way. That's crazy. Don't keep walking like that. No, let's, let's expect the birth of Christ to just completely upend our lives, and we're going to live completely different. We're just going to live completely different. How about this? Just live completely opposite. Over the last couple of years, I've made up my mind. I'm going to live completely other than. It, it, um, I got to start humming here. <laughs> Go Christ's way. Live in the way of Jesus. Think the way of Jesus. He came for us all. He came to break down divisions and barriers. He came to heal. Those wise men, as they humbled before this child, this child that would do no miracle for them, this child that would not give them any gifts, the child to whom they gave all they had, this child who was yet operating in a prophetic ministry, this child, they didn't come to receive, they came to give. I wonder this morning when we come to church if we come to give or to receive. I would suggest that wise men never come expecting anything other than to meet and to know and to worship. I, I'm telling you, they, they come bearing gifts and humbly bowing before him, acknowledging that he is the king. I, I, I'm telling you, they humble me this morning. I love what Paul writes when he says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider his equality with God something to be grasped, but made of himself nothing, and taking on the very nature of a servant, humbled himself into the human likeness, even to the point of death. Huh. These Persian kings saw the humility of the king of kings. When you see the king of kings as a baby in a manger, you realize that that king gave up everything from heaven to get to here. And now these earthly kings gave up everything they are just to know him. You ever been in the presence of true humility? When you're in the presence of true humility, you know that that individual or those individuals don't need anything from you. They're giving everything to you. And in the response of them giving everything to you, you want to give everything to. God didn't come needing anything from us. He came giving us everything. Our response must be to give him everything. Whatever gifts you gave yesterday pale in comparison to giving your own life to the King of Kings this morning. He has humbled himself. And the next verse has always intrigued me. Therefore, having humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every other name. Emmanuel, Father Almighty, wonderful, counselor, prince of peace. I think they bowed before Mary and Joseph and this two-year-old child and they said, what's his name? What's his name? And I think Jerry, Joseph and Mary looked at each other and said, his name 
is Jesus. <laughs> you know, Jared, I can't open my, my phone without a password. I can't check my bank account without a password. Heck, I can't start my car now without a password. Did you know everything in this world is password protected? In fact, it almost has, almost everything has now facial recognition. You know one of the main reasons Jesus came in the flesh? Is to give you facial recognition. Is to give you the password. Because if you ask anything in my, the only thing wise men took away from him, Dale, was his name. They came all that way just to know his name. Because if you know his name, he said, you can ask anything in my name. And you see, you don't get that name without having humbly bowed and given everything away. If you think you can sneak in and do a little here, give a little there, and then go back out and use that password. No, 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 no. The password, <laughs> the password only works when they recognize the face of the one that bowed before them as having given their life. I got news for you. Both my grandmothers, they just sit there and whisper the name of Jesus. I've seen my grandmother stand there and go, now look, little snake, you, you go back over there. My little snake here, go back over there. I sit there and go, <coughs> see, people that give their hearts to the Lord, they get the password. And I don't mean they give their hearts to the Lord so they get to go to heaven. I mean they've given it all away. They've laid it all down. I can't live any other way than the way Jesus has called me to live. That's fully surrendered. Fully embraced. Herod's lived trying to embrace both ends. They try to appease the Pilots and the Pharisees and try to appease and they try to, they're somehow trying to make a deal between the world and its government and the kingdom of heaven. Wise men show up and realize there's no deal to be made. It's his way. It's only his way. It'll never be anything other than his way. And if you want to use his name, you got to be... Am I making any sense? There's breakthrough in 2022 for people that decide to walk another way. For people that decide it's his way or no way. For people who are willing to challenge the belief systems that they have thought are real. People that are willing to challenge some of those things and allow God to pull them down and break them down and pull them into this reality that God has a way of living that's so far above. I promised myself I was going to do this in an hour. I didn't do that too well on Friday night and I'm not doing much better this morning. Verse 13, I didn't have Ryan read it. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take this child and his mother and flee to Egypt. I have struggled over this. We're, go, we're doing what? I want you to, what? There are Pharaohs over there. What? Sometimes the Pharaohs of this world are safer than the Pharisees of home. Sometimes the Pharaohs of bondage are safer than the Pharisees of religion. 
Can I tell you, I've watched the last couple of years. The Pharisees are meaner than the Pharaohs. Religious Pharisees can harm you more than the Pharaohs. At least you know what the Pharaoh wants. Pharaoh wants you to build him a city. The Pharisees want you to live up to some standard that they themselves can't even meet. Okay? We're going back to Egypt, Jesus. We're going to Egypt because Jesus is going to show some of you that even if you're living in Egypt, you're coming out. Jesus doesn't go walk through wilderness. Jesus goes into Egypt. And metaphorically, he's going back into the bondages of this world so that it can show you that when he comes out of that bondage, he breaks it. He, he bankrupts it, literally. So if you think you've been living in the, in the Egyptian places, if you think you've been living in slavery and bondage, Jesus is about to show you how he can go in and bring you out. And breakthrough for many of you in 2022 is God's going to just literally break you out of the holds of the Pharaohs of this world. And you're going to come out well, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. That's a real breakout. Here, I'll go in so I can take you out. It's actually the same picture of him going into the tomb. So at two, he's going to go into Egypt. He's going to come back out. At 33, he's going to go into a tomb. He's going to come back out. He's going to follow all of us into the darkest places of our lives so he can bring us out into the brightest places of our lives. That's a real breakthrough. Don't go, don't go back that way. Let God take us through and out of and into a broader place. I think the next few months are going to be some of the most profound moments of Christianity that she's ever had. I mean this with all my heart. I think it's going to be some of the most profound, exciting moments. And a lot of it's going to happen because we actually begin to stop trying to live in between two and dedicate ourselves to the only. Make it any sense this morning? I want that for every one of you. I want that for every one of you. I, I, I want you to follow that star to where you know exactly who he is. I want you to get up and I want you to go back another way. I want you to understand that Christ is metaphorically going into every bondage so that you can go free. I want you to know that God will work breakthrough in your lives if you're willing to break down the belief systems that have limited you up until this point. They've limited us. We are limited by the assumptions we make. We are limited by the lies we've believed that have been handed to us by other generations, other thoughts. But God wants to break through. He wants to break through and to break all that down so he can show us a new way to live, another way to live, brighter way to live. I think the next two years are going to be filled with breakthroughs. I think the next couple of years are just going to be filled with these, just these exceedingly abundantly, above all. But it's going to come as a process of breaking through, of breaking through and breaking down those things that have hindered us. Amen. Did you get any of this? Did you get any of this? Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going home another way. I'm not, I'm not going to walk around that mountain again. I'm not going to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
that gave him gifts, becoming of a king, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We come this morning, Lord, to give you gifts befitting of a king. We come to give ourselves to you. We come to give our hearts to you. We come to give our attention to you. give our all to you. We'll not be distracted by the voices of the world. Hallelujah. This morning, here in this room and those that are home, we just once again return to that place where you acknowledge that he's the Christ. He's the Lord you've come this morning to give everything you are to him. message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.